Hello and welcome to the People Chronicles Storied Women. My name is Anna Rosengarren-Milch and I am your host. I am also the author of Lunch with Lucille. Lunch with Lucille is an inspirational novel about how one woman's life's journey impacted another woman. And here on Storied Women, we bring women from our community to share their stories so we can learn from them as well. Today my guest is Dr. C.J. Rhodes. Hi, C.J. Hi. Uh, Dr. Rhodes, a CJ to me, is a professor of business at Kutztown University. She's also an author and an entrepreneur, and now you have a nonprofit, correct? Yes. Okay. So you know there's a story in there somewhere, a big story. So today she's going to share that story with us, but like we do on every episode of Storied Women, we ask the first question is, CJ... What is it that you want us to remember from this little chat that we have? What's our, what's our takeaway? Um, I would say that the takeaway is resilience beats all. Uh, my, many people have said that um, the thing that I bring to the table in most cases is resiliency. You just can't put me down. I'm like one of those gophers that keep just popping up. <laughs> that you, 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 you try to put me down and you can't. As a matter of fact, um, a friend of mine once had a kind of like a little contest where everybody had to come up with a autobiography with, in six words. So you had six words. You had to say your whole life in six words. And the one that I came up with was rise up get knocked down, repeat. <laughs> That's my six words, autobiography. Okay. <laughs> all, right, so, all right, so I'm guessing then, then uh, you are quite a resilient, you, you spring back. Okay, so tell me, give me a little bit of an insight into the, uh, the, that, that autobiography, that rise up, knock down, repeat. Okay, well, um, I guess the easiest way is to just kind of give a little bit of an explanation of some of the things that I was doing um, uh, early on, um, you know, how I, how I came about to where I am today. Yeah, that's good. Um, I started out as a school teacher, I, a special ed teacher in, at Kutztown University, and then moved on to opening up my own business. I ran the business for several years, and then um, after selling it, became a vice president at a bank. I was a, a vice president at a bank for many years, and then I moved back to Berks County to um, start another business. So I've, I've, over the years, I've started four businesses. Um, my fourth business, the final one that I had started, I started in 2001. In 2002, on November 5th, <laughs> I was uh, in a very bad car accident. And so now I separate my life into BA and AA, before accident and after accident. Um, because at the time that I was hurt, I, my, my business was going gangbusters. I had lots of clients, Fortune 500 clients. I was traveling everywhere. I was making a lot of money. Um, and I was doing a whole lot of things, helping, basically helping business um, owners make more money and managing projects for large businesses. Um, at the time of the accident, I wasn't really sure at the moment, at the time that I was hurt, I didn't know that I was hurt. I got something called a mild traumatic brain injury, um, which comes on slowly, like you realize slowly over time that something is wrong. And then finally they do the testing and say, oh, well, the reason you can't remember anything is because you have mild traumatic brain injury. So, okay, so you get, all right, so your life is going uh, pretty well. I mean, it has the ups and downs. You go from one job to the next, but usually the better job and then, mm -hmm. okay, uh, and so as, as you, you have the job loss, you resilient, you become resilient, and you, 
okay, and then you bounce back and you find another job and then you open up a company and maybe that sell that company and you go down and then you come back up again, okay. And then you have this traumatic in- incident that you don't even know it's traumatic because, as you say, it's a slow loss, right? Right. right. So that is that that's local. That that accident is local. Yes, yes. It ha- occurred on uh, on Lancaster Avenue, four twenty two, just at the Lancaster Avenue entryway. Um, there was a, a woman who happened to be eight months pregnant coming onto the four twenty two um, from Lancaster Avenue, and of course that's a left. It goes onto the left side of the four twenty two, and she must have been looking at the car at seeing the car. That are that she's going to merge into instead of looking ahead of her. She didn't realize that all the cars from Penn Avenue back to Lancaster Avenue were all stopped. Okay, and I was the last one, and you were the last one. So she hits you in the back, she, which is right. rela- and then you drive. I mean, after everything else, you drive away. Uh, yes. Well, they um, her car was totaled, but mine was still drivable. Okay, so, so you were you were sane enough to drive and safe I, enough. Okay. I went on to my networking event and and did you know I was there a little late, but I said hello to people and exchanged cards and did the things that I normally did. And then as time goes on. You realize what starts to happen to you then? Well, the next morning is when my back started to hurt. My neck and my back started to hurt. Um, and then two days later, I was supposed to meet a, meet a client. I couldn't remember where I was supposed to meet them. I couldn't remember the client's name. I couldn't remember the software we were going to talk about. I couldn't remember things that in previous previously I would have had no problem with. Um, so as my memory just kept I couldn't remember things. And then the speech thing happened where I couldn't speak clearly. I couldn't couldn't speak fluently. Um, I, uh, 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 just like every word, there was this uh, 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 that I couldn't, couldn't speak fluently. So how long did it take to get that diagnosis? Um, well, I guess I started seeing a, um, the psychologist and the, and the, and the uh, doctors pretty much within a couple of weeks. And okay. so I think they, they finally diagnosed me by the end of December, which was a couple months. You know, the ex- accident was November 5th. And by the end of December, they were sure that there was something wrong. And so, I, you, so you're living a life that you have no idea what's going on for two months. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, wow. I, and I, I kept trying to meet clients, but it didn't work. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't remember <laughs> I anything. imagine that, too. Um, and so it... it it slowly became apparent to me that I could not continue my business. I couldn't make any money. I couldn't couldn't um, impress clients. I used to be able to impress clients. I can't impress them anymore because I don't have any a good memory for anything that I did. And I couldn't project manage. I couldn't I couldn't sequence anything. I couldn't put things in order. I couldn't take a file a piece of paper and know what filing cabinet it went into or what file folder it would go into. Um, by the end well, of what are you looking at it and saying? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, or are you thinking like, why can't I, why can't I do this? It's very odd. Why yeah. can't I do this? How, says that's- why is it I can't figure out where this goes? Why can't I put these, these pictures in order, the comic strip kind of thing? Why can't, I had no idea why I couldn't do it. And then, of course, the, they, they gave me pictures of faces, and I couldn't recognize them. You know, they'd, they'd give you a whole bunch of faces, and then you'd wait, you know, two minutes, and then they'd give you the, some of the same faces and some that were different. And all you had to do was identify whether you saw that face before. I couldn't do it. I could never recognize a face I saw, even if I saw them just a couple minutes ago. I could not recognize the face. That's called prosopagnosia, and it was it's something that came out it mm-hmm. came out of the accident. It's the kind of brain damage that I had. I basically had brain damage in two places: the um, executive function, which is in the, this, the front lobe, the, and then the occipital lobe had the um, mild traumatic, uh, had the, uh, the uh, prosopagnosia, because that's where your face storage 
part of your brain is. So my face storage doesn't work. I don't recognize people. How about me? You recognize me now? No, not really. I mean, I, I, I know who you are because of content-wise, I knew I was going to meet you. But, you know, if I saw you on the street, I would never know who you are. The only people I recognize are people I knew before the accident. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. it's very odd. Okay, so you oh get into this accident, and now you get this diagnosis, and you're also in some pain. A lot of pain. A lot of pain. So what, what happens then? What does, what does your medical doctor do? Well, um, I was prescribed OxyContin, and so I was taking opioid um, pain mm-hmm. medication for probably about eight months. Um, and the thing about op- opioid um, pain medication, OxyContin and all the rest of them, is that they first they make you very depressed. And so you get just so depressed. You just don't, don't even want to get up. And... Um, you're kind of fine with not getting up. You're just sitting there happily, not in pain. It certainly took away the pain, but it also took away all of my ambition, took away all my ability to um, think through anything. I couldn't think straight. I just, it was very, very hard on me. Um, and you're this, this entrepreneur who is creative, and, and then all of a sudden it, it just robs you of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I basically hardly got out of bed for eight months. Um, You know, I, 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 uh, we went through all my savings and I had a lot of savings at the time, but we went through it all. And um, we, my husband and I were pretty much in bad financial straits. I was, we were borrowing money to buy groceries and to pay the mortgage. And so, um, and Bob tried to find a job, but he was getting older and had some physical difficulty with his shoulder and stuff. So he wasn't going to, he couldn't, couldn't find a job that would, certainly not that would pay nearly what we were used to. And we had, we had just bought this big, beautiful house in Yellow House. So uh, I realized Something had to change. I had to do something, and so I had to get out of bed. I, I had to get, to get out, 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 out of bed, bed first. Yeah, um, I got out of bed and realized that I had to stop the pain medication because I wasn't going to be able to find a job, um, and if I couldn't think straight, and because I couldn't think straight. Uh, I wasn't able to find a job. It's a this very, very circular thing. So yeah. I kind of went cold turkey. I, I w- didn't tell my doctor because I told him a couple times I wanted to stop. And he always told me, no, no, you need it, you need it, you got to take it. And so um, I didn't tell him this time that I was going to stop. And I just went ahead and stopped. So did you um, did you, did you go through withdrawals? The, the, oh, the yes. You, you did. <laughs> yes, yes, it's horrible. All by yourself you did that? Yeah. Or with, with your husband? Yeah, with my husband. Yeah. Um, and But, you know, it, it was pretty bad. I, you know, it's horrible. You have, like, the worst flu in the world, although quite frankly, comparatively, I, years before, as a matter of fact, I can tell you exactly when, December 5th, 1995, I went through withdrawal from coffee, from caffeine, because I quit drinking coffee on mm-hmm. that day. And that withdrawal was worse. Really? <laughs> yeah. The, oh, wow. the coffee withdrawal was worse because the headache was so bad that I just, and nothing took it away. So this, you don't get a headache, you just feel sick, very, very sick all the time. Your hair hurts. You feel like you have the flu. And so you have the flu for a couple of weeks. Uh, but then eventually it goes away and you are but able when to think the, when, the, again. when the flu-like symptoms go away, so to speak, the, it's an exaggerated flu-like symptoms, mm-hmm. I, would, I would guess, the pain sets in there. Yeah, yeah. That's then, and not only that, but if you've been taking pain medication for a while, um, it comes back much, much worse than you ever knew of before. Now, this is... So were you prepared for this pain? I mean, did you uh, do research? I mean, did you know what was going to happen to you by stop 
I, I, yes, I you had did, done quite okay, a bit so of research. Okay, so you were enough to, okay. At that point, by okay. that point, So I you, was, when all this was happening, you're saying, this is par for the course, this is the rhythm of it, this is what's going to happen to me. Yes, okay, yes. Okay, okay, that's... And I also knew at that point that um, with, with OxyContin and other opioid pain relievers, um, because of the way the, the way the brain reacts to those, uh, they basically take the place of your, of your, uh, um, of the, the opiates that your your body creates opiates, and those opiates fill in this little section in your brain in the nerve cells um, that that they actually call the I think they call the opioid center is this it gets filled in and that's what that's what decreases the pain. So as these opioid areas in your nerves get filled in with the with the um, opioid, which is a particular shape, then your pain goes away. Um, when it gets filled in with fake opioid like OxyContin, a medicine you take rather than your own opiates that your your body can create, right. um, what happens is your brain decides to create more openings. So it starts starts to, um, it, what happens is then you get in more pain and you need more pain medication to cover it. And that's what the tolerance thing is. Your, right, right. your brain is basically multiplying pain centers and that multiplies your pain. So you're increasing your own pain by taking opioid pain medication. Yeah, and I think this is a really important topic, you know, talking about, uh, you know, it's, it's so prevalent in the newspaper these days, uh, you know, uh, of, you know, prescription pain mm-hmm. um, addiction. Yeah. You know, so you you kick it, and because that's basically what you did, you, you mm-hmm. kick the you kick the habit, and you then basically rejoin the re- rejoin the world and become a professor at Kutztown University. Yep. And now I know that it, just to quickly before we wrap up wrap, wrap up, what are you doing now? What, what's the give back now from that? Well, I had started my own. I, at the time, of course, my business was called Enterprise Technology Management Associates because that's what I did, enterprise technology for companies. Uh, but I, I, after I came back, I didn't really want to do that anymore. I wanted to help people, and I wanted to help help people understand the process of pain and to help them get healthy. Um, and because getting getting... Uh, recovering was more than just getting rid of the pain. There right. was a whole reg- I call it my regime. I have to do it all the time to stay out of pain because mm-hmm. the pain is chronic, so it's always there. I, in order to work, I need to stay out of pain, so I have to, all the stuff that I do. So I wanted to share with people how to do that, and I wanted to help other organizations share with their people how to live a healthy life, how to develop leadership. And so I started, I changed my, my company. Instead of Call, instead of being called Enterprise Technology Management Associates, I changed the name to Health, Prosperity, and Leadership Consortium. So it's an HPL consortium. Uh, and the company is devoted to developing technology tools to help small groups and nonprofits connect with their constituents to help them toward health, prosperity, and leadership. Excellent. So that's what I've been working on. I'm spending all my time. I'm going on, on retreat this summer. I'm going to finish the infrastructure, the, the business requirements for the infrastructure. Uh, and we, I have 25 different companies, uh, nonprofits, that are waiting for me to finish this infrastructure. It'll be a couple years. But nonetheless, that's what I'm spending all my extra time on these days. That is really, that's an amazing story. I think that, you know, you're almost like the Renaissance woman. You, <laughs> I you know about that. Well, you, you really have traveled in, you know, in your lifetime. You have traveled through a, a, a big distance, a far distance. Oh, yeah. And I think that you really have that, uh, you know, a, a true lessons for people to, especially women, um, 
to learn from, and I appreciate your coming on the show today. All right. Thank you well, very thank much, you for CJ. Having me. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for following Storied Women on The People Chronicles. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The People Chronicles, and you won't miss any stories. These community stories are made possible in part by BCTV, Susie Ray Design, Queen City Family Restaurant, Lamar Advertising, Heidelberg Family Restaurant, Reading Air, Lions and Hole, Peanut Bar, and Kutztown University.